This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Uh, it's Wednesday, 5 April, in the year of our Lord, 2023. Uh, we're very honored. We're packed in this hour. Let me start. We finally worked out our technical problems with Boris. He joins us uh, from uh, Palm Beach. Uh, Boris, you were there with the president all day yesterday. I, you know, I, they did. They weren't ripping on him on the appearance so much. And the reason was, I think he looked like a Viking chief. He came in there, had a sense of gravitas. You were there. Put us on the plane and in the room. How was it? Steve, it is an honor to be with you, an honor to be with the posse, and it was the honor of my lifetime yesterday to be with President Trump and to witness a man as resolute, as determined, as up for battle, and as determined to beat the woke radical lunatics in this country as President Trump was yesterday, is every day, and will continue to be through the end of his second term on January 20th, 2029. President Trump dominated, dominated, not just America, but world news yesterday, because it is clear as day that what the radical Manhattan DA has done has brought paper thin, I can't even call it indictment, I can't even call charges, just nonsense against President Trump. And President Trump rolled in there yesterday like the boss that he is, and he let the world know that we will not be intimidated, we will not be deterred, we will not be pushed back. That the American people represented by President Trump will stand tall in the face of oppression or in the face of tyranny. He delivered that message loud and clear just with his look yesterday when he walked into that courtroom and you saw somebody who will not back down one inch and will always continue to fight for the American people. President Trump will always continue to fight for America and Americans. Look, he didn't back off an inch on the speech last night. We had Kerry Lake on to start the 5 o'clock round. Caroline ran here in a second. We're going to go through Kerry's remarks. And she said, look, it was inspiring. It was very sober. It was very somber. But it was to the point, not one inch of back down, including kind of putting the judge and the, and the DA on notice. We've had Cash Patel in the morning, Mike Davis in the afternoon, talking about election interference and actions they want to see take place immediately in the uh, committees of jurisdiction in the House, whether it's oversight, judiciary, mm -hmm. et cetera. What is President Trump's plan? Because I'll be honest with you, I see the Hill newspaper leading with an article that says Mitch McConnell and the Senate leadership are going to let Trump twist in the wind, and that makes my head blow up. I, I just think what I've seen so far from the Republican Party is pretty much crickets. There, there's been some nice statements put out, some nice tweets. There were a couple of good interviews on um, on on Fox, but I haven't seen action. I would call everybody back, even being Passover and Easter week. I'd call them back up here and get these committees rolling. Your thoughts, sir? Steve, I have to give credit where credit is due. Jim Jordan, uh, his committee, Jim, uh, the, the Judici Judiciary Committee, the Committee on Oversight, and the Administration Committee did 
sent a robust a powerhouse letter to radical DA Bragg about three weeks ago now, demanding information, effectively saying that if you do not comply, you will be subpoenaed. And the time is coming. The time is now for that subpoena. There's no doubt that the Manhattan DA has to answer for his misuse of federal funds and persecuting President Trump and persecuting MAGA and persecuting the American people while allowing murderers and violent criminals to go free in New York, make New York an unlivable city. Just literally on Monday while we were in New York, somebody, uh, somebody who was you know, a, a close confidant told me the story that she was in a, in a regular store, in a tiny store in New York in the middle of the day, and somebody came in and grabbed the tip jar, wielded a knife, and ran out. That is in New York City in broad daylight now, Steve. That is how dangerous this city has become under these deranged lunatic Democrats like D.A. Bragg, like Fish James, and they're doing nothing about it. They're letting criminals go free. They're letting New York City, New York State be demolished while they are too busy persecuting President Trump, while everyone knows he's done everything right. There's no case. There's no crime whatsoever. So, yes, it is time now for MAGA and Congress, Republicans in Congress, to investigate and prosecute. What is the story behind Matt Colangelo going from the federal DOJ, being a top official of the DOJ, a political Democrat appointee, to the Manhattan DA's office? What is the story behind the use of federal funds, not just in Manhattan, but in Atlanta? And, of course, by the special, the so-called special prosecutor, Jack Smith, in, in D.C., how much money is being spent to persecute and interfere with the coming election of President Trump to be the 47th president? Is uh, President Trump, uh, um, uh, Pence today, agreed to, I guess he's agreed to this judge's decision that certain th- elements he's going to testify on to Jack Smith and this kind of bogus grand jury. Is President Trump going to appeal that? Is he going to stick, try to push uh, executive privilege in that area? Well, Steve, all that's being conducted under seal. But what I can say is that President Trump will always continue to fight for executive privilege, for attorney-client privilege as he fights and defends our Constitution. That's what President Trump believes is, is vital to our country. That's what he stood for from the moment he came down the escalator, and that's what he will always battle for, standing up for our Constitution. That includes free speech, attorney-client privilege. It includes very much executive privilege and all the privileges that are conferred on us as American citizens. President Trump is not going to back down, will not be deterred. Richard Barris, the People's Pundit, came on here two weeks ago, and he said his analysis showed that he thought Ron DeSantis uh, would shortly be polling in national polls and in state polls, certain state polls, uh, without a two-handle on it in the high teens. I think Commonwealth of Massachusetts is coming, I think Trump 54, uh, DeSantis 19, I think it was a national poll 19. We now have Texas just came in on a poll this afternoon, 52 to 20. What's your assessment of all this, sir? My, my assessment is that, is that if you look at the Texas poll, and yeah, I'm not sure I believe that in November, but they had the Florida governor, the, the sanctimonious at 43, President Trump at 32. In April, President Trump's at 52, the sanctimonious at 20. And if you look at the Massachusetts polling, the New Hampshire polling, the national polling, Ron DeSantimonious has been dropping like a rock. And why is he dropping like a rock? Because, Steve, as you said, he is the controlled establishment. He's the controlled opposition. 
He's not MAGA. He doesn't represent the American people, doesn't represent the Make America Great Again movement. And in fact, what she should do is do the right thing. Endorse President Trump, go back to concentrating on being governor, do the right thing, show some actual MAGA credentials, and maybe look at 2028 or somewhere down the road. But right now it is clear as day that President Trump is the right person to lead America. You know how we know it? Because of how hard these deranged left-wing maniacs are coming after him in Manhattan, in Georgia, in D.C., and all across the country. They're coming after him because he's the strongest one to fight for us. They're coming after President Trump because President Trump is the strongest one to fight for us. Boris, uh, what is your, can you give us your coordinates so people can follow you? No doubt about it. My information, BorisEP.com is the website. It's hot. Sign up right now, BorisEP.com. Hot on Getter at BorisEP, on Twitter at BorisEP, hot on True Social at Boris, and the hottest on the ground, Boris underscore Epstein. Stay strong. God bless. Happy Pesach and all offense. Thank you, Boris. Thank you for stepping out of the meeting and joining us. Let me get uh, Caroline Wren. Caroline, I want to ask you first. I'm going to play the Kerry Lake open in a second, but I got to ask you. You were there. On Boris and Kerry have both said the same thing about the the uh, seriousness and gravitas of that speech last night, given what transpired during the day. You were there uh, next to Kerry. Give me your assessment of President Trump's speech, particularly the no back down part of it, ma'am. Yeah, I was there, and I thought his speech was amazing. It's always great. The, what struck me the most of was when he was referencing, you know, Carrie and I were sitting just a couple rows behind the family. And when he started talking about his sons and how wonderful and a good job they're doing, I became quite emotional. I mean, they are just, they're going after this this family. Like Trump, he's a, he's a, a family man. He is a wonderful, beautiful family who works so hard on his behalf. And he is out there killing himself for us, getting attacked, indicted, all these different things. And it's, it's all for us. It's not for him. And it, that part just made me very emotional. And, you know, the, the crowd at Mar-a-Lago was always so fun. It was so great. There were so many supporters. It almost at times felt more like a party and celebration. And it's because we were celebrating him. I mean, anytime everyone can come together and be together and support him and show him that we love him, people are always happy and wanting to do that. Um, but but even then, once he started talking, it, it was it was somber. The, the weight of what he had been through that day really landed on the shoulders of those who were in attendance. And it just... It made it me it personally it made me so proud to be standing by him again, to be backing President Trump again, and that he is willing to do this fight for us again. Because like why? I don't know if I could. Let me I'm gonna pull the carry in a second, but let me ask you, I, I want to talk about Kerry in Iowa and then what happened in Wisconsin last night. Carrie Lake is at the University of Iowa tonight. She's gonna to have a, another big speech on Friday morning and of course an event tomorrow. What is the purpose of Carrie Lake being in Iowa? Sure. Carrie will go to any state in the country to meet with the people. She works harder than anyone I've ever met. She doesn't sleep and she's just out there helping to be among the different people. And mm -hmm. really, sorry, Carrie's from Iowa. She was born there. And we've got just floods of requests of her wanting to speak different places. But really, it's a Good Friday event that, that was kind of the anchor event that they asked her to address on uh, this coming Friday. And then she went to the University of Iowa. And so the college Republicans or young Republicans there wanted, wanted her to come speak. And Carrie always says, yes, she's so happy to do it. She's happy to take the America First message all over this country and to anyone who wants to hear and listen. And the people just love her. It is so fun to walk through airports and different places with Carrie Lake. People just stop her and shout, like, keep fighting, Carrie. We love you, Carrie. Fight, fight, fight. And that's 
that's why they love her because she is a fighter. She will fight until the bitter end. And it's just incredible. And that's what we didn't see happen in Wisconsin last night. There's a lack of fighters in the Republican Party. And that is what makes people so drawn to Kerry and President Trump is that they are willing to actually show up to a fight and to to do what it takes to win. But the, unfortunately, the infrastructure of the Republican Party that's supposed to be behind these candidates is not there. It's not either up for the fight or willing to fight. I think it's a combination of both at this point. Look, here's nobody knows this better than Carrie Lake and Caroline Wren, what you guys have gone through in Arizona and the in the importance of the courts here. Tell us how catastrophic is this situation in Wisconsin, not just the fact that we lost the Supreme Court and everything that's going to be. I want you to address that. But it appears now in hindsight, there was no real fight. I mean, you had people like Scott Pressler and these heroes out there trying to get things going. But the establishment of and at every level in the Republican Party, even the conservative movement, just were not there. And they're saying, well, this guy was a bad judge. He was a bad choice. Well, I mean, they kind of picked him, right? I mean, give us your assessment of Wisconsin. I think it was a disaster. I think yesterday was an absolute disaster. And we were all, even myself included, distracted, I guess, by, you know, the absurd circus that was going on yesterday in New York. I almost think that was maybe by design, by the way, that the Democrats planned that day to keep us all distracted. But, you know, when we weren't looking, the Democrats, they took majority control of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And they can now eliminate pro-life laws that we care about, voter ID laws. They can redraw the legislative maps. I mean, it's, it's sort of in, endless. And I started to think this morning, Stephen, when I was talking with you, like, let's imagine or fast forward to election night 2024. And, you know, we President Trump is just a few electoral votes short of victory. And he's up 6,000 votes in Wisconsin. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, they roll out 10,000, you know, absentee ballot votes they found for Joe Biden. And so the Trump campaign goes and, and sues. It is now assured that when that makes that to the Wisconsin Supreme Court, that that lawsuit will fail. And if you remember, I mean, Trump lost Wisconsin by 20,000 votes in 2020. And that campaign did a post-election challenge. It made it all the way to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And then it actually died at a 4-3 ruling. One conservative judge sided with the three Democrats. Now, like, that's over. It, it, there is no legal ramification that anyone can take in post-election efforts in 2024 now. And so that should be a big weight on anyway. I don't care if you're Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, name your candidate of who you want to win, that's going to be a problem. But it, it begs the question, Steve, of like, where was the RNC? I, I don't, I mean, Scott Presser was out there essentially alone, like walking door to door. This poor guy is going between Louisiana, every single state. And I love Scott, he's the best, but he can't do this by himself. And the Republican candidate was outspent, I think it was 14 to two. And all day I saw the RNC chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel on TV blaming abortion, like we were outspent 14 to two. And in the final months alone, the Dem nominee, she, I think she raised like 14 million or something like that. Majority of it was from the Pritzkers and Soros. And our candidate raised $2 million. Like, how are you supposed to even overcome that? We we weren't paying attention. We weren't looking. We didn't invest in infrastructure. And the the buck has to stop somewhere. And this is what I've always been saying to me. Like, it has to start with stop with the party. And I really think we're past that though. Like the war room posse is gonna have to, 
stand up and come together and we're going to have to figure out a way to do this ourselves. Like I, I got an email today and I, I, you know, I subscribed to all these Democrat websites and different things to know what they're doing. They sent a recap email of what they did in Wisconsin. This was just one group. They sent emails to 177,000 people. They called 32,000 people. They sent 14,000 handwritten postcards. They texted 436,000 people. I'm reading this whole recap of their get out of the vote effort. And I'm like, my God, we had Scott Pressler. That was it. That's our recap, beginning and end. And he was not even funded by the RNC. He was funded by Patriots on the war room. Is there is there any possibility that uh, President Trump can take the White House in 2024, as you see it right now, unless we win Arizona and Wisconsin, ma'am? No, like you, you have to, all roads run through those states. And even I mean, thank God for Carrie. She's fighting in the courts. But like still, I'm not seeing any infrastructure being built in Arizona. I'm not seeing massive voter registration drives or any of these things happening. We clearly didn't see it happening in Wisconsin. That's why I was so frustrated today to hear the chairwoman and others blame abortion. It's like, OK, the abortion ruling came down months ago. And like what we, we should have a solution by now or plan. Like then what's the plan for 2024 if you're claiming that's a problem? A bunch of I mean, the whole party is going to wake up tomorrow and become pro-choice. Like that's insane. But if the Democrats, there's no doubt are being driven by fundraising and turnout over this issue. But like we can be as well. This this comes down to a ground game effort and organization. We don't have it. And I'm so sick of the scapegoating of Republicans blaming bad candidates. I saw it all day on Twitter today. I saw the establishment saying, oh, you know, Dan Dan Kelly, the Republican nominee, he couldn't win because he was too MAGA. And then I saw the MAGA people saying, oh, Dan Kelly lost because he didn't embrace MAGA. I'm like, you're all wrong. Like our candidates are set up to fail. They don't, there's no infrastructure there to, to assure that our candidates can win in these swing states in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, Nevada. And so I, I don't... The Democrats don't care about if it's a bad candidate or not. I mean, my God, they elected Joe Biden, Katie Hobbs, John Fetterman. Like, the, they're, they care if their candidate has a pulse, period. Fetterman, like, barely even had a pulse, and they still lean totally in, and they elect them. And they fight like it's a war. They literally, I mean, the Democrats treat every election, I don't care if it's a special election, a state house race, a Senate race, they treat it like it's a war, and Republicans and our party establishment treats it like it's a badminton match. President Trump's going to go, uh, look, I'm not a fan of this, but people make decisions. He's going to actually go speak to the RNC donors next week. And they got Sununu and all these, uh, you know, Kemp and all these guys going to run his favorite sons against him. He's going to go address it. What would you recommend the president tell the RNC donors next week when he's addressing them in person? I hope he would talk about the need to fund the party infrastructure and I mean, the parties in these states and grassroots efforts to go on, because I, I do fear that we're about to have this super expensive primary. Let's say DeSantis gets in, he's going to spend, God knows what, $500 million, something insane to, to try and attack President Trump. And he's going to be unsuccessful and President Trump will be raising money and having to spend it during this process. And we're all going to wake up in August of 2024 with no get out the vote plan and nobody actually investing in this infrastructure problem we have. Meanwhile, Biden has to spend no money in a primary and they're going to be just doubling, tripling, quadrupling to trillioning. I don't even know what a number is anymore. Down on perfecting this process that they have, which Republicans chase votes and Democrats chase ballots. And we can argue whether or not it's legal. They're, they're, like nothing they do is legal. I mean, there was an article today I was reading. I sent it to you about how they were literally, they go out and they pay people to turn in their ballots. I think it was $250 one group was paying people in Wisconsin. 
fine. I think that is illegal. I'm, I'm not an attorney, but it doesn't matter. They're doing it. And our people are not in office. Their people are in office. And there is no strategy or plan to fix it. And and the Democrats are so organized. I mean, they meddle in our primaries. And so President Trump, we should all be looking out for this too. But, you know, in the Republican primary, there's a woman, Jennifer Doro, this is in the Wisconsin Supreme Court race. She was pulling way ahead of Dan Kelly. And the Democrats came in and spent millions of dollars to back Dan Kelly because they wanted to run against him because he was a man and they they yes. didn't want to run against the Jennifer yes. woman because she was the judge who had um, uh, done the tragic Waukesha Parade terrorist case. And they, they did it. And Doro lost by two points to Dan Kelly. Like, again, like the Democrats are, are so just over the top smart. They're meddling in every single aspect of this from beginning to end. They're plotting six years out and we're barely plotting six days out. I, like we're heading for a disaster. And the only solution I see at this point is four year war room watch to get organized and get a plan and do it ourselves. Caroline, uh, how do you get the, you on social media? We're going to continue, sure. obviously, this it's conversation. I Caroline think right Red now we need a council. We need a council. We need, we need a council. We need a council of war immediately because this thing in Wisconsin was a debacle. And once again, what is it, Caroline? It's at Caroline Wren. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and by the way, we're going to have the Cary Lake, all the Cary Lake visits, either live streamed or we'll get the videos and put them up on our getter account so people can uh, participate. Thank you very much. to see any of the Iowa events. Yeah, and tonight, remember, 7 o'clock local time in Iowa at the airliner across from the University of Iowa. You can still get tickets if you go there right now. Caroline, thank you very much. Uh, Greg Price uh, and Andy Roth. Look, uh, Greg, let me start with you, and then we'll get Andy in here. I noticed that, um, or if we can get you both up on the screen at the same time, we'll do a split screen. The I've noticed as I've been following and tracking things that are happening in some of these vital states, uh, a, a term keeps popping up, uh, state party freedom caucuses. And we love the Freedom Caucus up here in Capitol Hill. It, if we didn't have the Freedom Caucus and we didn't have the warriors in the Freedom Caucus, we would not have changed the direction of the country in the first week of, uh, of January this year. They're the ones that stood in the breach. When I see state party Freedom Caucuses or state Freedom Caucuses, tell me what's going on. Have you guys taken the concept of the Freedom Caucus here at the House and are now starting to expand it throughout the country? Yeah, that's exactly right, Steve. We are operating under, you know, the same brand as the House Freedom Caucus. We're, a very, we're an offshoot of it, and we're taking it to state capitals all over America. I think uh, some, you, were, you were just talking about this election in Wisconsin that was a total debacle, and the reason it was is because conservatives weren't paying attention to it. And the same thing is happening in your state legislatures all over America. Conservatives are not paying attention to all of the problems that are happening in your legislature, and in many ways, uh, Things that happen there affect your life in a greater way than what happens in Congress. And, you know, all the things that we complain about in the national GOP all the time are happening in in state legislatures on a much wider scale. And just to give you an example, take Wyoming, for example. In the last legislative session in Wyoming, the state Trump won by a greater percentage than any other. The speaker, Albert Summers, blocked bills for universal school choice. He blocked a Florida-style parental rights education, and he blocked a bill that would ban kids from going through sex changes. And this is happening in Wyoming, of all places. And you can go state by state by state, red state by state, 
and, and the same things are happening everywhere. So what we're doing is we're taking the Freedom Caucus and bringing it to all of these state capitals to shake up the status quo in the party and get them to actually fight for the voters that elected them. Andy, let me get you here in the conversation because I kept wondering. I think for years we've had a we've had a, a, a dominance in these state legislatures. Yet these laws either get blocked or these over the top laws that look like they're selected not just by rhinos but by kind of center left Democrats are are put forward. Is this the reason we haven't really been organized like in a Freedom Caucus basis in the state capitals and state legislatures, sir? Yeah, everything's stacked against conservatives at the state level. Think about it this way. The governor, regardless of who the governor is, has tons of resources, tons of lobbyists, tons of uh, advisors, tons of lawyers. They have just tons of resources. Same thing with the bureaucrats that run the woke agencies. They've got all sorts of funding and resources. And then same thing with the lobbyists. And so this iron triangle of the administration, the bureaucrats and the lobbyists, they're all fighting for bigger government. And most states, their legislatures are part-time. They gavel in in January and then maybe leave in, in April or May. Well, who's minding the store uh, in all those months when they're not in session? And these state lawmakers are also, they're barely paid anything. They have full-time jobs and families to care about. So there is no 365-day out-of-the-year conservative apparatus operating to keep government small or to reduce the size of government at the state level. And this is the problem, this is the problem that the state freedom caucuses are trying to solve, is that we're going to take part-time lawmakers, whether it's in Georgia, Wyoming, South Carolina, Arizona, Pennsylvania, we're going to take part-time lawmakers and turn them into a full-time freedom caucus that constantly fights the establishment. And when I say establishment, I don't mean just the Democrats, but also the rhino Republicans who enable uh, the Democrats and their message. Amazing. Can you guys uh, can you guys hang on one second? I just want to hold you through the break. Uh, we got Dave Walsh on the other side too. Uh, this has been needed for a long time. I mean, this is one of the reasons that people say, hey, we have control of, I don't know, two-thirds of the state legislatures, but then you see these insane bills that get passed, and you see these things that should be blocked that are not blocked and passed. And we saw that it all came to light, I think, in the uh, in the 2020 presidential election, when all of a sudden you start going to these state legislatures, they're supposed to be Republicans, and they're kind of, they're either, they're either centrist or slightly moderate Democrats. So it's just been incredible. Uh, Andy Roth, uh, at Greg Price, you're going to stick with me. We're going to take a short commercial break. Uh, when we return, we're also going to have Dave Walsh. I want to get there. I started with Philip Patrick. What you're seeing on a global basis right now, because people were talking, oh, we should turn to the gold standard, but no, that's a crazy idea of uh, Ron Paul or Rand Paul. Well, I got news for you. The people that control the resources in the global south right now are putting together a gold standard, kind of on a country-by-country basis. That is this kind of legion of doom of the U.S. dollar that you're seeing. We're going to get Dave Walsh to talk about OPEC, of what they're really working on uh, as the bloods and the crypts of the Middle East, the Persians, the Iranians, and the House of Salt all work together. Short commercial break. State Freedom Caucuses, the way to get the same power that changed the direction of the country here in the House in your state legislature. Andy Roth, Greg Price, next in the war room.
starting the new year, how will you prepare yourself, friends, and family? In the news, you're seeing constant government overreach, attacks on our communication and energy grid, worldwide conflicts, natural disasters, and the never-ending assault on our security and privacy. And relying on your cell phone in these scenarios simply won't cut it. That's why over the last year, I've been partnering with Satellite Phone Store to help you stay prepared and ensure your vital communications stay prior. They're one of America's largest satellite companies with thousands of happy, well-prepared customers. For a limited time, Satellite Phone Store has a special promotional offer when you go to sat123.com slash Bannon. That is sat, S-A-T, 123.com slash Bannon. Get a bivy stick or an Imarsat satellite phone included with an annual agreement. Remember, that's you get a bivy stick or a Marsat satellite phone included with an annual agreement. Now, Satellite Phone Store's customer support team is located in the United States of America and can help you pick the best plan for you. Go to sat.com right now. That's sat123.com slash Bannon. Sat123.com slash Bannon. And get your device today. Don't put it off. Life can change in an instant. That is sat123.com slash Bannon, sat123.com slash Bannon. Get it today. Take action, action, action. In my younger days, I was a naval officer on a destroyer. In fact, I was the A-gang officer in charge of all the engineering systems that were not main propulsion. And one of those was air purification. And I can tell you the standards of the United States Navy are second to none. If all home air purifiers are the same, why did the U.S. Department of Defense select EnviroCleanse to protect and purify the air on board our Navy ships? Because EnviroCleanse advanced mineral technology goes beyond ordinary HEPA filters to destroy airborne illness causing cold and flu viruses, including COVID. EnviroCleanse is the new science in air purification, and now you can order one for your home. This is how you help stop colds and flus from taking your whole family down. This is how you destroy allergy and flaming toxins and mold from the air your family breathes. In fact, this hospital-grade technology is so powerful that it promises far fewer colds and allergies and better sleep. Visit ekpure.com. That's ekpure.com and use the code STEVE for 10% off your EnviroCleanse home purification unit. You also receive a free air quality monitor, plus fast, free shipping. That's $150 savings right there. That's ekpure.com, code Steve. ekpure.com, code Steve. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly two hundred and fifty grand. And COVIDtaxrelief.org just got a large distribution business, almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. 
And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with COVIDtaxrelief.org. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Uh, breaking news um, that just uh, broke. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., as you know, the author of the book, The Real Anthony Fauci, which I think the book sold a million and a half copies. I think we sold 750,000. I'm 50% right here in War Room, and he was on a number of times. He has just filed the paperwork to run in the Democratic primary against Joe Biden as the leading anti-vaccine, anti-Fauci, anti-CDC candidate. So that'll be quite interesting because if anybody can put those issues on the table, it is, uh, it's uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. So RFK Jr. has now officially filed the paperwork. We're also hearing from sources that many of the people that have been associated with the anti-vax movement, and particularly the anti-COVID vax movement, which the mathematics on that gets more uh, compelling every day of what a debacle this is, are actually going to associate and work on the campaign. So uh, for everybody in our audience that has been on top of this issue, uh, I think it just went front burner. So Robert F. Kennedy has announced that he's going to fight. He's just filed paperwork to run in the Democratic primary. Um, I want to go back to Andy Roth. And look, this, the Freedom Caucus, and look, the Freedom Caucus, you know, this is a populist national show. Some, that sometimes we disagree on certain things like tariffs, et cetera, although I think they've come a long way. But they're still the warriors. They still will stand in the breach and fight all, you know, every day, and they never back off. We would not have the changes, the structural changes, the procedural changes, the content changes in this house if it was not for the Freedom Caucus. Andy, are you working with those guys? And, and what states have you originally kind of targeted to roll this concept out in? Yeah, when we launched all of this back in December of 2021, we talked with Andy Biggs, then the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. We talked with Mark Meadows. We talked with Jim Jordan. And they all agreed that this was a great project for us to start. So we are uh, formally and under the auspices uh, working with the House Freedom Caucus. Uh, back in December of 2021, when we launched, we launched in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, the Georgia Freedom Caucus became our first one. Then we went to Mississippi, and this is in chronological order, not alphabetical. Then we went to Mississippi, South Carolina, Illinois, our bluest state, uh, South Dakota, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, and just today we launched, helped launch the Louisiana Freedom Caucus. Wow. That's incredible. What did people in a state legislature, what did they actually need to, to launch? A corpus of, of individuals like you have on Capitol Hill? Is, is, is there a, a number that you need to feel like is going to get some traction? Or how do you, how do you judge whether it makes sense to launch or not? Yeah, basically, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Some of them are intangible, but basically you need six, seven people at least. Um, in Pennsylvania, we have 22. Uh, in South Carolina, we have, I think, 17. But then like in Mississippi, we have six. 
So it varies uh, quite a bit. But overall, we have, I think, 130 state lawmakers all across the country who are part of this farm team, this bench. And not only are they going to fight at the state level, but if a seat opens up at the in Congress, there's only one question you need to ask a, a candidate that's running is, are you in the State Freedom Caucus and will you join the House Freedom Caucus? And the, the answer should judge your um, decision on how you're going to vote. Um, what's been the response so far and what are your one or two biggest uh, f- victories you think so far? I've kept up with uh, with Arizona and uh, Wyoming and Montana, but get, pull the camera back for a second. Where do you think your biggest wins have come? What are you guys focused on? So we, like policy-wise, school choice, it's the, the issues that Greg mentioned earlier. Uh, it's the transgender, transgender surgeries for minors is a huge thing. Uh, election integrity, uh, abortion, uh, all of these are big, big issues at the state level. Uh, the victories we've had, uh, I'll just mention a couple. In Wyoming, uh, the Wyoming Freedom Caucus was able to shut down film subsidies for Hollywood. That, w- that actually had traction within the uh, Wyoming legislature. And they also shut down Medicaid expansion. And they those were both moves that they did unilaterally. The, there was overwhelming support among the entire legislature to support those two things. But the Wyoming Freedom Caucus, just by using procedural moves, have been able to, to uh, stop those things. The other thing that we tell our state lawmakers is that yes, we want victories, but when we lose, we want the, the other side, the winners, to feel a very high level of pain when they win so that they think twice about doing it again. In South Carolina, they just handed out $1.3 billion in subsidies to Volkswagen to come into their state and build electric vehicles. We lost that fight, but we made it extremely painful for all the establishment rhino Republicans in South Carolina to support that bill. And so these are the sorts of things, the muscle memory that we're trying to instill in these state lawmakers as we go from state to state. And it's it's wonderful. It's it's the most exciting job you can imagine. I mean, we're we're literally making changes uh, at the state level for the first time ever, and it's it's a wonderful thing. That's incredible. I love that. No free shots on gold. Uh, Greg, you're known, I think, uh, as probably one of the top young firebrands on the right. T- tell me how you're going to get young people involved in this, how are you guys going to grow this? Yeah, I mean, the biggest way that that we want to grow it is just by getting conservatives to pay more attention to what is happening in their state legislatures. Like, if you ask the average person, who is your state representative, they, they probably don't know. That really needs to change. Because as I mentioned before, a lot of the fights that conservatives care about are happening not in Congress, but happening in the state legislatures. Like the Inflation Reduction Act is a really bad law that's going to do a lot of bad things for our country. But is the average person going to feel really feel the effects of it? Not really. But you are going to feel the effects of a state legislature that doesn't give parents choice in their child's education because too many Republicans are coward are too too cowardly to vote for it. You are going to feel the effects of a state legislature that isn't fighting to remove woke ideology from the classrooms and CRT and stuff. You're going to feel the effects of a legislature that isn't fighting to protect children 
from these dangerous transgender surgeries that make big pharma very rich. And all of these things are not happening in red states that they should be because Republicans are either pretending to be conservatives when they're actually liberal, or they run as conservatives and then govern for the special interests and not the people who elected them. And that is what we are trying to change with by building freedom caucuses in, in, in our states. And what I would say to everybody in your audience is, right now, look up who your state rep and state senator is, hold them accountable when they are not representing you the way that they should, and ask them why they haven't joined the Freedom Caucus yet. That's brilliant. Andy, how do people uh, get to you, how they get to the State Freedom Caucus website, how they follow you on social media? Yeah, definitely. Go to statefreedomcaucus.org. That's where you can learn about us, sign up for our newsletter. We just launched a Substack too. Uh, so sign up for that. And then I'm on Twitter at Andy Roth. Perfect. And Greg, uh, what are your what are your coordinates? And uh, I, I want to repeat one more time. Go check out your state representative, your state senator. If they're not in the Freedom Caucus, you got to ask them why they're not in the Freedom Caucus. Uh, Greg, how do people get to you, how they follow you? I'm a Greg underscore price 11 on a Twitter. And as Andy said, definitely subscribe to our Substack. That's where we're going to be putting out all the information about what's happening in, a, in the Freedom Caucuses on any given day and information about new ones that are launching soon. Guys, great uh, presentation. I can already tell you our audience loves this, so we'll have you back on. and want to make sure you give us a heads up on any, any issues coming to the state legislatures. We look at you guys as the early warning uh, the early warning radar. So we'll look forward to having you back on. Thanks, Thanks for having us, Steve. Thanks, guys. Uh, Dave Walsh, um, I want to go into, we got a couple of things to talk about. Uh, first, uh, tell me the first thing we're going to talk about, because I want to get to the cartels and the gold standard in a second. What do you got for me? Well, we got Prince Faisal visiting, uh, Faisal Saad visiting China tomorrow with his <laughs> counterpart from Iran. For a meeting hosted by the Chinese government to cement their relations announced in the Riyadh meeting that Xi Jinping had back on December 8th, uh, talking about now reopening. Oh, 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 hang, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. I got to tell you, we, we had the head of Taiwan. We don't have time, I don't think, to play the clip. Maybe the head president of Taiwan is in Reagan Library in Simi Valley. McCarthy's there. It's fantastic. We actually have Democrats yeah. and Republicans talking about the defense of Taiwan. At the same time, she goes, I see you and I'll raise you one. I'm going to bring the Bloods and the Crips that we did the peace deal with. Uh, I'm going to bring them to Beijing and have them kowtow to me, Dave Walsh. And, and Macron is there. Uh, so in the next day for, for his meetings with Xi to, uh, you know, we're hearing to uh, attempt to talk him down from directly supporting Russia with munitions and equipment in the Ukraine affair. But at a minimum, you know, we've got here a very weak alliance, India, Japan, Turkey, France, Brazil, the kingdom, Mexico, and even Germany to some extent through a not funding this uh, uh, military effort in the Ukraine behind us and B, but more importantly, their actions, specifically Japan's actions with Russia buying LNG, buying oil in Yuan, France now buying oil in Yuan. I mean, we have uh, India now doubling down through the IOC, Indian Oil Corporation, on its buys of crude from Russia. Now their biggest supplier of crude is Russia, all during this, this war effort. This is, this is among the weakest alliances ever formed in, in respect to backing the U.S. position on the Ukraine. And I, it does uh, tie to, as been stated in this forum numerous times, 
the lack of strategic interest in this actual activity. These countries all aligned with uh, preserving their economies and their and their oil and gas use, as opposed to uh, backing an alliance seriously on the Ukraine. So again, in, in, in it not being in their strategic interest to do so. Look, since we first had you on a couple of years ago, obviously the audience loves you and your your observations are brilliant. One of the things that you, when we first talked and brought you on here is that a proactive energy policy is the foundational element of any modern economy. If you don't have that, you're kidding yourself. And you've done a magnificent job of pointing out the Biden regime, but also Western Europe, of doing things that are not only not rational, but not what serious people would do when thinking about how to run an industrial economy on decisions about energy policy, and, and particularly the net carbon zero, and not just the science about it, but even if you believed it, the rush to do it with technologies that are just not there. Even if you believe the thesis, the way you're executing it is not what serious people would do. Are you seeing today a combination of the, of, we had Philip Patrick on the last hour, people in the global south that control resources, particularly energy resources, that are saying, hey, these guys are making so many bad decisions in their overall economy. I see the direction of these economies going, and what they've been doing to date is they have these powerful central banks that just continue to print money. Well, they're really doing rolling devaluations on us. We have energy resources. Why don't we stop holding dollars and start holding gold? And Because I'm seeing the beginning of a gold standard kind of economy backed by real natural resources and what we call the global south. A am I too far off base there, sir? Uh, no, you're not. I mean, no less than even uh, Jamie Dimon, uh, Dimon a couple days ago did come out and indicate, hey, this... Uh, this binge to move immediately to renewables, it doesn't work. He's now acknowledged that himself. These, these technologies are way not ready for prime time. They're very intermittent. They're very part-time. They're very low energy density resources, solar and wind, averaging about seven hours a day of intermittent power. You can't frame solid financials around an investment in these that makes sense. And, and now leading to Morgan Stanley even comments at the instance of the OPEC move on production that the U.S. no longer has the resiliency in its, its shale gas and oil production to go ahead and offset immediate production uplifts to combat moves like this by OPEC. So even the money center banks are acknowledging through and through a lot of efforts that they've applied against investing in carbon fuel production and development, we, we now lack the ability to combat coming back against OPEC with meaningful production uplifts. Therefore, you see the price now is up to 84 and three quarters today at the Brent level on crude, which, by the way, is a lot of headroom between the Russian uh, price cap that, that the NATO alliance has set and the actual price allows them to discount heavily up to 10, 11 bucks, such as they're doing with India and doing with Turkey and doing certainly with China to still discount off global levels, but still have healthy room over the, the announced price cap. So th th this is this is working for um, for Russia, for China in, in alliance, and now the kingdom very solidly aligned with China. So very troubling, very, very troubling. If you had said even a couple of years ago that the, uh, the, the, the head of the House of Saud and the Ayatollahs in Persia and their finance and energy ministers will be meeting in Beijing at a meeting called by by the Chinese to put together even a, another plank 
in this Legion of Doom against the U.S. dollar in the United States. People said it's cartoonish. That's Bannon with his hair on fire. You know, that's crazy talk. Well, it, it, this crazy talk has become a reality. Before I let you go, I got to ask you, the Republicans have made a big deal. Look, they're, they're working on stuff, but they passed H.R. 1, it, it, which was the energy bill. They said they were going to do that first. Given that that's not going to get through the Senate, that Biden's not going to pass it, what can the House do today immediately to try to get in the face of the Biden regime? Because we got to get this. If we don't turn around and get back to full spectrum energy dominance, like in the, the Trump administration, we're not going to turn the economy around. It's just not going to happen. We understand we're not going to be able to do that, given the fantasy these guys have of, of net carbon, of net zero carbon. But what could you do seeing what they did in H.R. 1? What is the reality of what the House can do to be a blocking element so that at least no more damage can be done? Well, I mean, what I'd love to see, and many of us would love to see in the interest of getting the budget balanced or at least getting on some track to move in somewhat of that direction, would be to end the subsidies on wind and solar, even even look at ending the subsidies Mm -hmm. on ethanol. Huge amounts of money being spent on very suboptimal, low-value energy products. So at least put oil and gas and coal and nuclear on an even playing field with solar and wind that are 40-, 50-year-old technologies that are still very intermittent, very part-time, and as I've said, not ready for prime time. That would be a huge coup in addition to busting the barriers on, on the EPA and the restrictions we have on offshore drilling and, and um, good uh, discussion with Mike Davis. By the way, another lawfare that popped up Monday, a district court uh, blocked the Mountain Valley Pipeline yet again. This was Joe Manchin's gift for approving the Inflation Reduction Act that would get the Mountain Valley Pipeline approved. Virginia and Pennsylvania shale gas moved down to uh, North Carolina, Southern Virginia. It's blocked again by a district court. So we have lawfare, though, unfortunately, in the way of of making progress on freeing up the transmission of oil and gas in the country. So now that that would be, I mean, that that's a piece of the HR1 freeing up projects like that on a more rapid basis would be a coup if we can move that forward. Although it looks like this right now is a, it's a hold hostage item against the budget ceiling that we were going to play because certainly the Senate's not going to vote it in and Biden would never sign. Just, 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 just in your mind, we got a minute or two left. The subsidies you talk about for solar and wind, as you've done such a great job of deconstructing solar and wind for us, if you took those subsidies away tomorrow, the solar and wind industry, would it economically and financially collapse? In other words, if it didn't have those taxpayer subsidies, is it not really a thing? Completely. And Steve, it's not even a thing with them. You have BP losing money on on 25 solar farms in the U.S., EDF losing money on solar farms in the U.S., Siemens and GE losing huge amounts of money every year consistently building wind turbines. And it's because these these power projects with intermittent, you know, one-sixth of the time, one-fifth of the time energy, they don't cut, the pro formas don't cut it. You don't have solid financial deals for lenders or equity players, with, and that's with subsidies. Without subsidies, you've got no investment in this. You wouldn't have... 28% wind power in Texas unless it were a subsidized activity. So, I mean, it would, it would bring, the, bring this activity to its knees until these, these power production resources became viable enough with enough power intensity to match off coal, oil, and nuclear. They're, they're not even close. We're talking one-sixth of the, the power density, one-fifth to one-sixth. 
So the numbers don't work on the projects without subsidies. And even with subsidies, they don't work. Okay, Dave's going to keep track of this meetings that are going in Beijing. Like I said, if you even mentioned this a couple of years ago, people would have said, you're crazy. In fact, we started the project on the end of the dollar empire when I first started, started talking to people about it. I said, Bannon, that's something's going to happen 20, 30 years from now. It's another hair on fire. I said, I don't think so. But even I never thought in the first week of April, in the year of our Lord, 2023, we'd see the bloods and the crypts in, in Iran and Saudi Arabia kowtowing in Beijing, putting together a master energy plant. Dave, how do people get to you on social media, brother? Well, you mentioned the uh, the meeting in China. Xi Jinping ended the December 8th meeting with a statement that uh, China and the Arab countries will continue to hold high the banner of non-interference in internal affairs. And that had to do at the time with Khashoggi complaints by Biden that overwhelmed his fist bump meeting yep. with Xi Jinping and also uh, uh, pestering them on their CO2 emissions, which He's saying he's coming back. That, that's my matter. That's mine to deal with. At Dave Walsh Energy on Truth Social and Getter. Thank you, Steve. Dave, thank you very much. Thank you for the update. I want to make sure everybody goes to birchgold.com, get the end of the dollar empire, particularly the latest. If free, It's all free, free installment on uh, the debt trap. You'll get, it's like ripped from today's headlines. You'll get totally up to speed on this massive fight that's going to take place. Is already taking place behind closed doors on the debt ceiling. Remember, all they can do is continue to print money. We're at the end of that game. What's the next game? You're going to decide and help mold what the next actions are and the follow-ons of those actions, this audience, because you're head of the creditors committee. You are the full faith and credit of the United States. Okay, we're going to be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. live. You're going to be back in the worm, and it will rock the house. See you tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. 
War Room Health, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.